And all the roads we have to walk are winding. And all the lights that lead us there are blinding. There are many things that I would like to say to you, but I don't know how. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I have a podcast. So all those things that I want to say to you, I can. Because I, I speak. That is what a podcast is. I speak and you you know what? You know what? Just start the music. Just start the music. So I waited a little bit longer than usual to jump right in because I thought that music deserved to play for a little while. I was trying to wait for the beat to drop. And why am I waiting for the beat to drop? Because today is a very special episode of the podcast. Why is it special? Because we are all grown up. All grown up. That's right. Episode 21. So from now on, anything we talk about is completely legal, completely legal. Anything goes. And I have to tell you the truth. Today, yes, today is going to be a very, very adult episode of the podcast. We're going to talk about drugs and sex and other such things. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. At least I think so. I don't know yet. I haven't done it. I think it's going to be crazy. But don't quote me on that. You can't hold me to that. All I'm saying is that it's going to be a long episode. It's going to be talking about a lot of different things, and we are going to go. So, parents, put the kids to bed. Kids, put yourself to bed. Adults without kids, what are you doing? Go make some kids and then put them to bed. Kids without adults, uh, I, I don't know. Still go to bed. Still go to bed. Because here, as the Is Told by Reese podcast, we're about to bring that something. I don't know yet. But we're going to bring something. Like I said, usually we got a lot to get through and a little bit of time to get there. So, yeah. Without further ado, episode 21 starts right now. So, I'm recording this podcast episode on December 1st, 2021. Wait, nope. Sorry, that was my wishful thinking slipping out. I'm recording this on December 1st, 2020. Big difference. Hopefully. And it being December 1st means that I just completed this month of November. Why is that special? It usually wouldn't be. But this past month, I participated in No Nut November. That's right. The Triple N. Hey, yeah, listen, listen, I told you that this was going to be an adult episode. If you don't want to hear me talk about it, uh, please still stick around because I'm really lonely and I don't have that many listeners in the first place. So trust me, this goes somewhere or even if it doesn't say, hey, you know what? I was supporting you, so I'm going to do it anyway. But without giving too much detail, or getting too gross about it. No, not November is exactly what it sounds like. A guy for the month of November can't bust. Even though busting makes you feel good. Can't do it. Gotta put it away. Can't have sex. Can't masturbate. Can't rub yourself up against something and 
make things happen. None of that. None of that. It's all restricted. The question is why? Is this all for some great cause to bring awareness to some sort of cancer or some other cause? Is it a great display of willpower and camaraderie? Is it a way to break the confines of sex addiction and porn addiction and just crazy amounts of masturbation? To that I say, maybe. Maybe it's all that. Maybe it's none of that. Maybe it's just some arbitrary thing made just because. What I can tell you is my reason for doing it. And it was just because. Because I saw it. Oh, that's not good enough, huh? I have to give you a real reason. Well, let's just say it's because of 2020. 2020 is the reason why I did No Nut November. Or as I say in Spanish, No Nut Noviembre. I know, you didn't know I was multilingual. Now you do know. Thanks to 2020, my ability to go places and do things have been severely hampered. I used to go out a lot, do things, be out. That's all stopped in 2020. Thanks to this year and my lack of being able to go places, my sex consumption was at an all-time high. So much porn, so much sex, so many Plan B pills. So many gifts to girls to keep them quiet so my wife wouldn't find out. I mean, uh, just kidding about that last part. But no, really, I got tired. I was tired of watching it, tired of having it, most of the having it done by myself. I've watched so much porn this year, I'm bored with the sex part and watch for the actual story. I'm like, how realistic is this acting? I don't know. How is this girl the stepsis in one scene and the stepmom in the other scene? I mean, in this economy, would the pizza delivery guy really take sex over money? And anytime I ever got pulled over by a female cop, it didn't end the way it ends in porn. So, I don't know. And with the scenes, it's like, sure, the sex is good, but the acting's uninspired. So, I, I give it an F. I give it an F for me, and the F isn't for what it should be for. And as for how me and my girl get down, I would give you all the details, except she would kill me. And I don't want to be dead just yet. I want to see this thing through. So we don't even we don't even do that. We just pray at night and go to bed. I'm not going to do anything with her until we are married. Okay. Hopefully her parents stop listening by this point. Man, are you kidding me? I be wow. Somehow that part got cut out. It was really salacious, it was real descriptive, it was real crazy. Just think of like the craziest, nastiest, dopest things you've ever saw. And that's pretty much how I get down. Just, you know, for reference. Just for reference. But for me, I know I was getting bored with porn when it became part of my daily routine. Wake up, brush teeth, watch porn, go about the day. It wasn't an exciting thing anymore. It was just something that's like, okay, let me cross it off the list for something to do today. It's like, ooh, boy. You need more hobbies and to get out and probably also to wash your hands a little bit better. So it wasn't more like, ooh, I get to do this. It was like, ah, I might as well. I have some time and a couple minutes to kill. Why not? But you get so bored with it, you're going through hundreds and hundreds of scenes just to find something that you can watch in the moment. That's not going to last that long. And then feel ashamed afterwards, or in my case, Feel nothing, because shame left a long time ago. As I stated earlier, sex started putting a dent in my wallet because of all the hush gifts and hush money that I had to get girls. I mean, just kidding. I got tired of spending my money on OnlyFans. I mean, these girls tell you you're the only one from them and send you exclusive content, but when you find their address off of line and show up at their place, all of a sudden they're calling the cops on you like you're the creep and the weirdo. But you said you loved me. And that you do that thing that I like in person if we were to ever meet. Well, now I'm here. So, what's going on? I'm starting to believe our whole relationship is a lie. 
Are those pictures sent to me being sent to only me, or it'll be sent to every guy? Okay, fine. I have a confession to make. I actually have never even gone to OnlyFans. I don't have a subscription. I haven't paid a single cent for it. Don't even know why. Because I get my porn for free. Yeah, porn is completely free for me. Because anytime I want to watch porn, anytime I want to watch people have sex, I just grab my binoculars, go to the second floor, and look at my neighbors getting it on through the window. I would get closer to watch them, but they took out that restraining order when they saw me looking through their actual window at their house on the first floor. They weren't even having sex. They were just having a normal day. And I was like, oh, that looks like a great relationship. Let me look in on it. Now they don't know, I'm the third party to this relationship. And we are forever, guys. And I'm really rooting for us. I'm really rooting for us hard. Speaking of hard, I did it. No nut November. No cheeks, no buns, no knocking of the boots. No naked twister minus the twister. Wait, I don't think that last one is a thing. No spanking of the monkey. Wait, I think that's animal abuse. And maybe a little racist? I don't know. But no sex. No sex at all. With myself or otherwise. Now, as far as the otherwise goes, my wife, she was fine with it. My girlfriend, on the other hand, she was pretty mad. Just kidding. I'm not married. Now, for the first two weeks, I was doing fantastic. I was strong, clear-headed, focused. Much more productive than before. Got a lot done. Workouts better. Just super productive. By week three, I was starting to crack. I'm talking... Anything I would do would kind of remind me of sex and bring me back, especially the social media. I go on Instagram is just ass, 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 and I'm like, stop. And that's it, just stop. So I pulled, I scaled back the Instagram a whole lot. I knew it was bad because by week three, week four, I started finding women that I didn't previously find that attractive super attractive like my stepsister just kidding i mean my wife i detoxed myself from all that so much that i started getting around from my imagination which hasn't happened since i was a teenage boy where anything would get you aroused but who wants to use imagination when you have actual porn at your fingertips no sir not me i even had to avoid mac and cheese at thanksgiving dinner because everything reminded me of her. Now to me, it was amazing to me how much time I had on my hands when I took my hands off myself. Not gonna lie, that last week came close to cracking a couple of times. A couple of times, just like, you know what, just get one out. You did great, you, you, you went for 20 some odd days, you might as well. But then I said, you know what, I'm so close to the end, I might as well stick it out. I have a lifetime of doing or not doing anyway. I guess. I hope. I don't know. But I think it's in the fourth week that he kind of stopped. He quit. He quit. He stopped speaking to me. He stopped speaking to me. We used to be like this. Even though, if I say so myself, the relationship is kind of abusive and a little one-sided. We used to be in a physically abusive relationship where I'd be beating him all the time. But some way, somehow, he would keep coming back for more. Now, we're in an emotionally abusive relationship where I just never touch him like I used to. And I ignore him and only use him when I need him. He doesn't always perform the way I need or want him to perform, though. So, I feel like we're even. I know the working conditions aren't always great. But it is the job you signed up for. So, you gotta do it. Sorry, bud. 
But now that it's December 1st and Triple N is over for the year, I have some great news. Somebody's daughter is about to need a wheelchair. Somebody's daughter is about to get the best five minutes of her life. Okay, so the best three minutes and 30 seconds of her life, followed by the most okayest one minute of her life, followed by probably the most pitiful 30 seconds of her life. But we're going to round up because that's what we do. We round up smaller things into bigger things. I'm going to tell you something that happened to me on my 21st birthday that would kind of shape how I view alcohol. Now today, I don't drink alcohol that much. I haven't since being an adult. It's just not really my thing. I have nothing against it. It's not a hard stance against like, no, I'll never drink alcohol. I will drink on occasion. Uh, I'll drink when I think it calls for it. I drink when I really want to. And I'll drink if it tastes good. I don't now drink to get drunk. And I haven't for a long time. And what happened on my 21st birthday kind of shaped that. Now, I was a college student, so by the time I hit 21, sorry, Mom, if you're listening, but hopefully you never do, I was drinking by then. Ooh, big surprise. Honestly, in college, even if you're the lowest of the low, you still get invited to house parties. You still have friends that have alcohol in their room. You still There's still places you can get alcohol and go and drink and have a good time, have a chill time, or have a not-so-chill time. And up until 21, I would always be that friend that wouldn't drink too much so I could always make sure that the situation stays under control. Unless I was going over somebody's house that I knew I was spending the night with. And a couple of drunk nights with a few of my girlfriends that I had back in college when neither of us knew anything about drinking. And the most we would drink is some sort of schmearing off crap that was so low on alcohol, you had to drink the whole bottle to really get a buzz. And it tasted like candy, so it really didn't count anyway. But the few times that I would get a little tipsy or a little buzzed or anything, I would be in a safe environment, so nothing would really happen to me. And anytime someone else that was close to me got drunk, I would be sober, so I'd be able to take care of them. But on my 21st birthday, I hung out with that friend. We all have that friend, that one friend that has bad decisions written all over them. That one friend who's amazing at finding ways to talk themselves and others out of trouble because they've had so much practice by getting into it. That one friend who's all devil on the shoulder, no angel at all. That one friend who's the actual bad influence that the after school specials try to paint the bad kids out to be. Yeah, I had that friend. I had that friend. And to save their identity, let's call them Max. Me and my friend Max. And I know, I know, that is a terrible name for an alias, but I don't want it to even get close to this person's name, and I'll tell you why afterwards. But I knew Max since high school. We actually went to college together, too. Well, we didn't go to college together. We ended up at college together because we both went to a local college, and we kind of ran into each other. I was like, yo, it's you. Yo, it's you. Are you here? And so, you know, from high school through college, like, we got tighter. We got tighter, and he was all about bad decisions, and I'm not saying I was all about bad decisions, but I was like, mm, if it leads to something interesting, I'm not necessarily against a bad decision or two, which that part of my personality lasted a whole lot longer than I'm proud to share, and then I'll just leave it there.
But we would usually only hang out around school, at and around school, because after school, he had things to do, I had things to do, et cetera, et cetera. We had work and school and a lot of other things, girls, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, after high school, your time with your friends is never the same. Like you just, moving on and moving up, you get less and less time with your friends. Not more, not more, as we all know. So usually, the two of us never hang out solo because once again, He's bad decisions, and I'm not easy to lead, I would say, but if I said, you know what, that bad decision sounds kind of like a good time, I might go ahead and, and do it, or egg him on to make the bad decision, and let's see where it happens. So we usually have somebody else that would be on the other side of it, and just not end up doing as crazy stuff as we probably would have had it just been me and him. It's like when bad meets worse. So here we were, my 21st birthday. Because I knew the kind of time I wanted to have, and it involved drinking, picking up random women, taking them back, and doing various strange things to them. I just took him. It was just me and him. It was like, yo, we're not even going to drive. We're going to get we're going to get a cab down there or whatever. We're going to do some bar hopping, do some drinking, and do some wingmanning. Now, this has worked for us in the past. This has worked for us in the past. We have a, we had a divide and conquer, et cetera, et cetera. Sober, sober. This worked for us sober. We go somewhere, find some girls we want to talk to, talk to them. I'm, I'm charming. He's charming. I'm handsome. Girls think he's funny. Not very handsome, but funny. So it always worked out. It always worked out. We'd always end up with something, each of us. Back in our day, back when we were youngsters. And we left anyone that could probably not be with the program behind. Because we were on the hunt that night. Which sounds a lot more creepy and predatory than it was. But yeah, it's in the past. I'm not the same guy. Or I'm actually the same guy, just a lot older. And wiser, hopefully. I don't know. But anyway, my 21st birthday... He already turned 21 a couple months earlier. We had a good time on his birthday. Well, no, actually, we had a good time after his birthday. He has a lot of older brothers, so they took him out and blah, 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 blah. So, we had it all mapped out. Pre-game at the apartment. Go to the bars. Go drinking. Pick something up. Take him home. Have fun. Consensual and willing fun. Consensual and willing. Let me always point that out. So the pregame works fine. Couple of shots of really cheap alcohol that doesn't even matter. Definitely doesn't taste good. Um, my taste in alcohol improved greatly over time. But it's because we were drinking the cheapest bottom of the barrel, barely scraping by stuff. So we get there where we drink, and then we go get a cab. Start bar hopping. First bar we go to is this bar with these with these crazy drinks. Now in my city, a lot of the bars are 21 and older, and it's hard to get fakes of the state that I live in. So I went to a few bars and clubs before I was 21, but not a whole lot, just because that wasn't really my thing. In college, I could find any kind of party that I was looking for and any kind of time I was looking for. So there was really no need for me to go to the clubs at that point. So this is my first time at a 21 and over club. 
without having to worry if I was going to get kicked out or not. So I could be on whatever kind of behavior I wanted. And I got to be honest with you, when we got in there, felt like a rock star. We were young. We had money in our pockets. It was like, yo, this is this is going to be a great night. I got a feeling that tonight's going to be a good night. That tonight's going to... Anyway. So we get in there. We scan the room. There are a few, few, few attractive options. A few attractive options that lay ahead of us. And I am all for it. But it's all about pacing yourself. So, because we haven't drunk anything yet, we find a table to stand at. There was a standing table. We stand there, you know, taking in the scene, the ambiance, etc., etc. Really cute waitress with barely anything on comes over and asks us what we want to drink. Well, obviously, I know all about drinks at that point. So I say, what's good here? Then, well, at this place, they have a special drink. The special drink... I believe it's called a high octane or something. I forget what it's called at this point. I really shouldn't because it really changed how I thought about things. But she suggested that. So he buys the first round. That's like, yo, bet. We're going to get that. He buys the first round of them. And they come in these tubes. They're colorful. They taste like juice or Kool-Aid. They taste like a slushy. They're really, really easy to drink. We both down the first ones in no time at all. Like, no time at all. No time at all. And I'm like, oh, this is good. This is really good. So when she comes back around, we order another round of it. This time it's on me. We order same exact drink. This time, drink it just as fast as the first one. Still tastes good. Clear. Having a good time. Just kicking it. Starting to really scan the room like, okay, we're about to make our move, right? Order one last round of them. The third one. Cheers. Drink it up. Go to toss the container in the trash. And what I found out later is I thought what I thought was that I actually had gotten into the trash. I didn't. I didn't. Did not get in the trash at all. Got on the floor. And why? Because at that point I was drunk. How do I know I was drunk? Well, I didn't know I was drunk quite yet. I didn't know I was drunk quite yet. Until I tried to take that first step towards this table. I believe it was four of them. Four really cute women. Not girls, women. Then I was like, I want to talk to one of them because I have the courage of the liquid inside of me. So I'm going to do it. I took one step. First I looked. And then I took one step in their direction. And the world itself shifted the world itself started spinning downwards and i said oh what is this why is the room shifting hmm i don't know if this is a good thing so i waited for the room to calm down and stop spinning and then i made my way to the bathroom I made my way to the bathroom because I definitely knew something was wrong and I needed to get a hold of myself. I think I said something to him like, hey, I'll be back or whatever. So went to the bathroom, peed. I think I got it all in the place it's supposed to go. I'm not sure because, again, 
At this point, I was really dizzy, so I might have gotten it all over the place. <sighs> Went to the sink, splashed water on my face a couple times, and tried to get back into business. Now, here's the funny part. You know how dirty these types of bathrooms can be at bars and nightclubs. They can be nightmares, and this bathroom was no different. But at this point, I was so intoxicated that it did not matter. I just knew I needed some, some water in my face to get back out there. So, as soon as I get back out there, I see my boy, he's actually done what I was trying to do. He started talking to them. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, cool, cool, cool. He got it started. Sometimes he gets it started, sometimes I get it started. So, I attempt to walk over there. And it was not easy going. I think I made it over there eventually. I can say that. I definitely made it over there. But it was absolutely eventually. It was not right away. It was not fast. I was very, very slow in getting there. But eventually I got there. And I remember at least a couple of the girls at the table saying, Oh, he's cute. Hey, this, that, and the other. And I remember saying to them, hey. Because while my brain was like, Hey, Reese, say actual words. My mouth was like, uh, words, what are those? So, not being able to engage these very cute girls at this table for tonight, the night of my birthday, or my birthday weekend at the very least, I was a bit like, oh, I have to get it together. So I said, there's no better place to get it together than directly outside the bar. So, I told my boy, I said, hey, I'm going to take a step out to get some fresh air. At least I think so in my head. I probably just pointed and said, Ugh. So, some way, somehow, and this thing was on some steps. Like, you had to get up some steps to get into the place. Somehow, holding on to railing, I got down to the bottom of the steps, right? And there was cool. There was cool. My birthday is September, so it's usually, like, cool weather. But due to global warming, nowadays it's hot. But back then, it was cool. So, I was like, oh, this cool air feels so good. If I can just sit here in a moment, I'll be fine. So, I'm waiting for him to do whatever he's doing. Like, yo, is he going to close the deal? Or whatever, I don't care. I'm sitting down, outside, trying to gather myself. Here's the thing. I don't actually remember sitting down. I just remember that I was sitting down and then people started talking to me. People started talking to me and I had no idea what they're saying. They kept trying to get me up for some reason. They kept trying to bother me and I'm like I just I just want to I just want to sit down and I just want to rest. I just need my rest. And then I started feeling like people touching on me and I was like, "Uh, oh, why are you why are you touching me?" Like, not that aggressively, because, again, I was drunk on my mind. And then, somehow, some way, my eyes opened up. I was surrounded by police officers. Surrounded by police officers. And I wish I could say that sobered me up so much. But it sobered me up a little bit. And I was like, oh, oh crap. Yeah, I was surrounded by police officers. And I know this area, 
I don't believe they would have arrested me. I believe they would have put me in like a drunk tank or whatever. Um, but still, at this stage, 21, I've not been arrested, not been in jail, not been indicted by the police at all. <laughs> with the exception of a few stop, like not really been bothered by the police. With the exception of the normal things police bother you with. So I am not trying to be about this life. So I kept telling them, my friends inside, my friends inside. So, and remember, this is why I was trying to, so to back up a little bit, he's a great wingman, but there are definitely more dependable people in your life. And that's why he's kind of the bad influence. Because, once again, for a great time, he's your man. For anything of any substantive decision-making or actions, He's usually not your man. He's usually pretty flaky. Or he was. He was. I don't. I, he's not now. He's he's a completely different guy now. But the cops were about to take me away. They started walking me, and I couldn't resist. I mean, I wouldn't resist anyway. But I couldn't offer any resistance or any. Hey, I'm okay on my own. They were ready to throw me somewhere. And then finally, finally, out of nowhere, he's with me. I'll take him home. Let's go. Thankfully, it was him that said that. It could have been some stranger. And this would you would never have heard any episodes of the Respawns. <laughs> oh, man. Some way, somehow. Well, I wouldn't have got that drunk all on my own, though. I, I, I do know that. that. That wouldn't have happened. But, from that point, he takes me. We walk. We go get a slice of pizza, even though I'm drunk out of my freaking mind. And I'm like, yo, I gotta go. I got to go. So the plan was, we were going to go back to his house, I was going to relax for a minute, and then leave. So we got a cab, we got a taxi, he got in, I got in. We're in the taxi, we're going home, although it wasn't the night we expected, hey, at least we're going home safely. Or so we thought. The cab ride started out fine, but then it got really bumpy. And I'm talking really bumpy, and motion, and movement, and bumps, and turns. And I was trying to tell him, the cab driver, to please pull over, or this is going to be bad. <sighs> Unfortunately, the it came out as, blah, 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 all over the cab, all, all inside the cab. All inside the cab. And when that happened, I was like, oh crap. He is going to murder both of us right here, right now. We are dead. We are both going to die. He is going to kill us for throwing up in his cab. I can't even fight back because I'm way too drunk. And my boy could may- maybe take him one-on-one, but I-, I, don't- I don't think he can. So we- this is it. That- that's it. He just murdered me. He stopped. He was so mad. He was so mad. So, I forget how much money I had in my wallet. I just pulled out all the money I had in my wallet. Which, I mean, at that point was a lot. Because my little job that I worked, I think I took that whole check. And my boy added money to that. And we just gave it to him. And it was enough that he got us home and didn't kill us. So, I'm not sure what I paid but it was more than enough to guarantee my safety. So I feel like it's money well spent that way. So I get home and I 
sleep it off. Well, actually, I didn't get home. I, I went to my boy's crib because, you know, I want to be crazy drunk going to wherever. So I sleep it off. And the next day, or actually that same day, when I wake up, I feel like hell frozen over. I feel the worst I've ever felt in my life. Like, holy crap, this is a hangover. I'm talking stomach feels terrible. Head feels terrible. Head feels like, yo, who hit me? And what hit me? And what was the name of the truck that hit me? And who shot me in the head? Like, everything feels awful. My body's sore. Like, I never felt that bad before. And I felt bad before that, but I've never felt that bad before. And I was shaking, and I was like, uh, what is going on here? And I think maybe I had alcohol poisoning, probably not, because I ultimately I didn't go to the hospital. And about mm, half that day later, I felt a whole lot better. Like, once it was out of my system, it was out of my system. But, man, there was that next day, there was some throwing up, some praying to God. Hey, God, if you get me out of this, I'm never going to do it again. Hey, why is it so cold? Yo, why is my head killing me? Just everything. Nothing worked. Nothing worked. And the only thing I remembered, or when I knew I was actually over my quote-unquote hangover, when I was over the hangover, is because I wanted a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich so badly that I actually felt hungry for it, which I didn't feel at any moment before that. And that became a theme for me. Because I wish I could say that was the first and last time I got hung over, but it's not. It was the worst time, definitely, but it would not be the last time. And also, there was, I would say, two other times that rivaled it for the worst time, but this was still the worst time, because it was the first time. But this is why I say that shaped how I would drink alcohol, because number one, it would be a long time again before I would be like, okay, I'm okay with getting drunk tonight. So... I would actually either not drink or drink very little after that. And I would try to stay away from the stuff. With the exception of a couple of times where I was like, hey, you know what? It's time for party Reese to come out. It also let me know, hey, if I get too drunk, I am not going to be able to talk to women. Mm-mm. No, no, sir. That is not for me. But it also taught me the valuable lesson of mixed drinks are actually the devil and I should stay away from them because it brings out the demon in Reese. And speaking of demon, uh, my boy, you would not recognize him now. He's a family man. He's a doting father, a loving husband, etc., etc. He's adored by his family. He's a great worker. Um, in fact, he he like he he really turned things around and changed and became a different person. He's no longer the quote-unquote bad guy. He's no longer the devil on your shoulder. In fact, he doesn't really talk to me anymore. Like we, you know, he's <laughs> he's cut me out. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. You were the demon friend, not me. And then I think to myself, wait a second. Was I the demon friend all along? Since it's December, it is officially the holiday season. I know a lot of people like to start the quote-unquote Christmas season right after October. It's like, no, wait till Thanksgiving. Or not, doesn't really matter. Christmas comes, Christmas will go. But 
This reminds me of a couple winters ago when I signed up for Amazon Flex. What Amazon Flex is, is the ability for someone to basically quote unquote work for themselves, do that gig work. You basically deliver Amazon packages, but you're not an employee of Amazon. You do it for the winter rush. You do it for the gift rush, etc. Starts usually picks up, picks up in October through November, all the way to December, probably pretty much right after New Year. You get to decide which days you work and for how long, and basically some of the routes you like to take. It's usually three or four hours. You use your own car, you use your own gas, and you finish within that time, and you get paid usually that same week for it. Well, two years ago, I was still trying to get my business off the ground, so I said, hey, I could really use extra money. It's the holiday season. I can buy gifts for the people I love, et cetera, et cetera. So I signed up for it. And I can say that this job was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare from the time I started to the time that they decided to fire me. Yep, that's right. I got fired. I'll tell you how. So you would sign up for shifts and then you would arrive for those shifts and get the packages and send the pa- take the packages where they would need to go and then clock out and call it a day. Right. So the first couple of times I did it, I was sent to places where I would not be comfortable at night or even in the daytime. The houses were so far apart and they were always far away from civilization and I swear I could always hear banjos playing in the background in a lot of these places. Every once in a while, I would get a good group of neighborhoods. But other than that, it was the boonies boonies. I would be out in the middle of nowhere where no one would hear me if I make a scream. Or the wrong people would hear me if I scream and it's over for me anyway. But at first, number one, I have a small car. I have a very small car and realistically... It can't hold a lot of packages. Somehow, they would find the biggest shipments they can and load me up with packages, so much so that my car needed work after a few days of this. So, I would take the packages, I would deliver the packages, usually on time, sometimes not. Usually I get done by the time the sun's still out. A couple of times I didn't, and those couple of times I didn't, I was nervous. (laughs) Just too many signs that I personally would be uncomfortable with but hey they gave you a vest a very light colored vest so you could show I'm not here to steal or cause any trouble I'm just here delivering packages and deliver packages I did and fast because I was not trying to stay wherever I was at any time ever I never got anything close to where I live or close to my city it would always be at least 45 minutes to an hour and a half away and that was always interesting. The sights were cool, but also, like I said, scary. And what do I mean by scary, you ask? I mean dog with no leash or any gate coming after you type of scary. I know what you're thinking. Well, you're embellishing that. No, no, I'm very much not. One crisp, sunny Saturday afternoon in December when I was delivering packages, trying to make a buck. I came to this one house that was on a hill. It was a long driveway. It was a long driveway and there were no packages at the door because sometimes they like 
when you deliver for Amazon, whatever, like a lot of times they leave it out and the packages pile up. So there I was delivering the packages. I got out of the car, got up to the door, put the package down, turn around, and I'm face to face with Cujo. Yes, dog was staring right at me. He had a vest on, did not, I repeat, did not have a collar and did not, was not gated in. They had one of those open style things where there was no gate to be had for it. And I didn't see any doors. So I'm like, okay. So as I'm backing up, he's moving forward. I back up, back up. He's moving forward. And I think at some point he decided, I'm going to go for this human. (laughs) So he starts making his way towards me. And I'm like, oh, oh crap, this is, this is, this is how it happens. Of course, of course I would get bitten out here in the middle of nowhere, whatever, right? So the only thing I could think of was I'm hoping this dog's trained. As he gets within two feet of me, I just say sit. And somehow he sits like a good boy. He just sits. Good boy. I back up. I go to my car, I drive all the way away and think, oh man, that could end badly. It's not the only time something like that's happened. Um, Sometimes I'm driving down the end of a dirt road where the house looks like a farm because it has all sorts of animals roaming. I've had chickens follow me almost back to my car. I've had other dogs growl and bark and say if I wasn't behind this thing you would be dinner I've had to drop packages off of some places that look like they came out directly from the Saw movie it's like no (laughs) I'm not going any further in here on this property because it's your property and I don't want to be confused or trespassing so I would drop it as wherever I can and I would go Realistically, I don't think the money was worth all the trouble of traveling, carrying stuff, being tired, being far away from home, and having all that wear and tear on your own car. Here's the thing, as I was had my own business, I had to balance my business opportunities with this part-time gig, and eventually, I lost out on the part-time gig because a lot of the times that I agreed to do a shift with the Amazon Flex. I would get work at that very same time in this last minute. I'm like, well, my job comes first. My 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 company comes quote unquote company comes first. So I gotta do that. <laughs> and eventually they said, Amazon this is said, Hey, you no longer work with us. We are firing you from gig economy work. <laughs> you don't work with us anymore. That's crazy. You know how bad you have to be to be fired from a gig economy job? They let anybody do those. And I mean anybody. And they no longer wanted me. I was like, well, I could use a couple more paychecks before holidays, so let me appeal. They said, no. I was like, oh, okay. I guess that's it for the year. Flashback to the next year, and hey, everything doesn't exist anymore. The only thing people do is get delivery by packages because... 2020 20, 20 went all 2020 on us. 
So I'm like, let me see if for some reason they might accept me this time around. So long story short, I had to write an appeal because they already had me in the system. So even if I try to re-put myself in the system, they'd be like, uh, no, we don't, we don't want you. We said no to you before and we meant it. Even in a pandemic, a global crisis, even we have a shortage of drivers and an abundance of need, we still don't want you. And I said, oh yeah, oh yeah, you don't want me? You don't want me? Here's this appeal, you're gonna get me. <sighs> well, long story short, even with all this going on, they said, thanks, but no thanks, we got this. And realistically, I understand why not, because I flaked on them the last time, even though it was a horrible, horrible, horrible job that wasn't really a job, that was a job, sort of. Do you have any weird things that you like to do? Just really odd things, just just out there. For example, there's a few weird things that I like to do, and I'm going to tell you about now. When I get gas, I like to get gas on odd numbers. And by odd numbers, I don't mean one, three, five. I mean nothing that makes sense. Like, instead of $20, I'll get $19.61 worth of gas. Why? Because the next person that uses that pump is going to be so confused when they see that. They're going to be like, what's the story here? Why, why is that? What did, what did they do? Why? Like, why? why? Just... Odd numbers. See? It gives them something to think about. You can live rent-free in their head. Even for a couple of moments. Because if it's a normal number like 15, 20, 25, 30, that's normal. If it's a low amount like 5, oh, they had an emergency. If it's a large amount like 50, oh, they got an SUV or just the normal gas prices is what they are. But if you do some sort of weird, odd number like 1961... They might see that as a sign. They might see that as their new lottery numbers because some sort of magical genie put those numbers in their head. And they don't even know why. They just know it keeps popping up for some reason. And be like, oh, that's the birth date of this person. Or I remember I got this at that time. It might just play with their head a little bit. But the good news is if they play that lottery and those numbers hit, all of a sudden you gave somebody something to believe in. It's magic. Speaking of magic, here's another thing I like to do. I like to leave pennies around. Now, I know you're asking yourself why. Because you can't ask me, because this is a one-way recording. But it's because finding random pennies and picking them up are good luck. It's good luck from the folk tales of the folklore, the urban legend. We all know the rhyme. Find a penny, pick it up. For the rest of the day, you selfish fun time operator, give me number nine. Okay, okay. So it's not that, but I wanted to put that somewhere. So there you go. I know you're thinking that's mean, but think about the person that actually believes that pennies and picking them up is good luck. Then I have just provided them good luck. At least for the rest of the day. But maybe, but maybe, just maybe for their lifetime. Imagine this. A young man recently had his heart broken. He's down to his luck, lost his job. He's about to get kicked out of his apartment. He sits down at a wishing well and just thinks to himself, hey, if only I could wish upon something and throw it in this well. He looks down because he is forlorn at his life because his life is terrible. It's trash. 
as he looks down, he sees that a copper penny face up, and he sees the face of Abraham Lincoln. And he's looking directly at Honest Abe, and Honest Abe is looking directly back at him. Earnest, strong, nice beard. So he says, let me pick this penny up and let me ponder on it for a little bit. Then he looks at it and he thinks of all the ways his life could be better. And then he says, you know what? I'm going to make a wish on this coin. This coin is magic. I didn't see it before. It caught my eye. My life is bad. This coin was meant for me. So let me just wish upon it. And I know wishes don't come true. Dreams don't come true. But what if this time it does? So with all the intention of the universe, he takes that coin. And he tosses it into that pond. The pond makes just a little splash. Not a large splash. But a splash just large enough to splash the girl that was sitting not too far from him. She gets part, he gets part of her blouse wet. She's like, oh no. He goes over there. He apologizes profusely. He's like, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to. I was just... And she says, it's okay. It's okay. What? But why were you throwing your penny in the wishing well? He's like, this is silly, but... You know, um, I know I, I don't know you. I just met you, and this is crazy. But I'll tell you a little bit about me. I've been down on my luck. Um, the woman I thought I was going to marry... She ended up cheating on me with my best friend, and my job is going through layoff and cutbacks, and my apartment, I'm behind on my rent, and I work hard, I'm a college graduate, I do many things, I, I, I try to make the best of it, but it didn't work. But seeing this penny has given me hope. Seeing this penny has given me a lot of hope, so I made a wish on it. And I threw it in the well. And I feel like my fortunes will be turned around. And then she looks at him and says, Funny you mention the word hope, because that's my name. Hope. That's what my parents named me. And he's like, what are the odds? What a coincidence. And she says, today might be an even luckier day for you, because I am a job recruiter. And we're actually looking for people right now. I was just in a meeting, met a bunch of candidates... And none of them had that spark, so I just came out here to eat a little lunch and to really think about things, and all of a sudden, a perfect candidate might have fallen into my lap. He says, that's great, my expertise is in IT, but I'm willing to do whatever job that you think would fit. And then she said, well, I have a couple positions that I think would fit, but we can talk about that over lunch. Because you see, Hope had everything that she ever wished for, Except a relationship. Now, Hope is a strong, independent woman, so she does not need a man to define who she is, but it would be nice to have one. And she's, in her line of work, she's always meeting the macho man who's very self-assured and very arrogant and very cocky, and that's not what she likes. She likes somebody that's opposite. Somebody that she can help build up. Somebody that is a need for her. That's why she got into recruiting, human resources type work, because she's all about building people. And right in front of her, she sees someone with a lot of potential if he just caught a break. And maybe, just maybe, they caught something much larger. And that's where the story ends. That is where our story ends. Why? Because we don't know the future. 
this year should turn out better? Did him and Hope get married and have three kids, three beautiful children? Was I invited to the wedding as the best man and gave the speech of a lifetime? We don't know the answer to these things, but we do know the answer to this. Would any of this have happened if it wasn't for that magic penny that I placed right there in that random spot? If we're being honest with ourselves, no, it absolutely doesn't happen without that magic penny. So thank you, they say, and I say you are welcome because sometimes you got to make the magic on your own. At least that's what they say in sayings and commercials. So if you're listening to this, why don't you try to do something odd like that every now and again? Put a penny down somewhere, maybe scribble some numbers on a paper that could be interpreted as lottery numbers. Give someone the chance to believe that magic is still real. And who knows, you just might end up changing their life. And there you have it. Episode 21, finally, in the books. Thank you for listening to me up to this point. I know up to now it's been a really weird, strange, fun journey for me. And I hope it's been the same for you. I have a few more special episodes planned in the very near future. And the 20s is a very exciting time for all of us. It's when we all kind of figuring out who we are a little bit. Or at least we think we are. And then the 30s hit. And it's like, oh, I'm not who I thought I was. I'm still figuring it out. But 20s are a time of change, growth, experimentation, being out on your own. Doing a lot of weird stuff. And doing some not so weird stuff. Finding out what you like and what you don't like. Now it sounds like an advice column. But I still have to say, the next nine episodes should be really interesting. Maybe even interesting uh, than the first 21. Maybe not. But I'm going to go there, and hopefully you come along with me. But even if this is your last episode you listen to, or the first episode you listen to, I'm just grateful that you spent some time listening to me. And now, I'm going to let you go. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye now.